0: Back in uh, our show. Yeah. Wha- <laughs> I mean, <coughs> we it's have the 10th th- episode. Can you believe it? 11th. Uh, 11th. Eleven.
1: <laughs> can you believe it? I think last week you said, it's the 9th episode. <laughs> can you believe it? And I
0: said 10th. <laughs> <laughs> the ABC of Vita. Yes. The best uh, radio podcast um, discussing art and politics and philosophy and many other things. Many other Anything things. Anything that comes... Our minds, yes. Uh, Lucas is back with us, the sound engineer, after recovering from uh, um, a minor injury. We are here in Baton Seven, and we are ready to discuss everything, starting from the letter K, because that's the concept of the show. Every week, we have a different letter, and I have here the clapping. Let's pretend it's a K.
1: Yes. <laughs> the Although. I it's uh, one should say that the K show is uh, was a bit difficult it's to find really the hard. words. Yeah, again,
0: but after the J show, that
1: was also difficult. No, look, it wasn't as, as difficult, no, I think, as the easy. last few shows. Yeah, no, no. It's a little no. bit better, but um, because K is not really a letter that many things begin with in, the, in the English, English language. language yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. In the
0: German, German? language, it's mm-hmm. a little easier, but mm-hmm. we don't use German keywords. Well, not yet. Yeah. Maybe next year. Next year. When we start the alphabet from the beginning. Although I, I, I noticed that you wrote Kreuzberg. I did. I is it
1: cheating? I don't know if we can No, it's not cheating, but I don't know if we're gonna
0: do that. No. Anyway Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we Because we've done XR here anyway, which is the new Kreuzberg.
1: So are we ready for to begin the, the show?
0: Yeah. First word for the day is Killers! My god, what a grim de- way to start the show. Why should we start the show with such a grim word? I don't know. I picked it. Killers. <laughs> killers. Like Not painkillers, like serial killers. And serial killers. People who kill other people, basically. Murderers. Are you interested? Criminals. Are you interested in uh, serial killers? Like, you know, there are some people who are really interested in, in serial killers, like... um. My boyfriend's flatmate, for example, always watches serial killers documentaries on Netflix. Like uh-huh. every time you come in the house, there are like some people dying on the screen. I'm not like that. I'm I'm fascinated by. Well, I'm it. I'm I'm. Wait a second. Why will there be
1: people dying on the screen if it's a documentary about <laughs> because, serial oh, come killers? Come on, you know because documentaries <laughs> about serial killers don't actually do. <laughs> restagings of that's not true the moment in which people are killed
0: no you've 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 lost episodes as we say in Greek um no documentaries nowadays are uh, they are f- like really gore and I've lost episodes <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, like documentaries nowadays are super like gore and full of like really gritty details about the murders and stuff, really, yeah, okay, yeah. So, no, I'm not like that. I'm not obsessed with uh, but with serial killers. Are you at all interested? I am... For me... Okay. Here comes the humanist. For, um, It's really inconceivable killing another person to me. I've never thought about it. I've never thought about it. So, for me, it's this like, you know, really exciting thing of witnessing someone who actually went there done and done this really like transgressive thing so in a way i am fascinated by this phenomenon especially the, ser- the serial killers and also like i've studied psychology and so on, and psychoanalysis so these kind of extreme cases of like psychopathology let's say are always interesting in the, in, the, in the under this scope of Oh, Let's investigate how the human brain and the human psyche work. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Do you like serial killer stories? I, um...
1: You know me. I don't really like anything that is like science fiction.
0: <laughs> how is it serial? No, that's, that's actually... As far from from science fiction as it gets, it's Not like really real stories. No.
1: Yes, they are real stories, Yeah, but they have this exceptionalism that doesn't interest me. You are interested in the more
0: quotidian... Yeah.
1: Thing. So, generally, mm-hmm. anything that fascinates most people, I don't like. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know that. I know that. Um, like a hipster. Whatever. <laughs> but I used to do it before hipsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a... Uh, hipster grandpa. Yeah. Um anything that is particularly fascinating in a uh, complexity of a long narrative doesn't interest me, as you know. So
0: you're not interested in stories that develop over time. Not
1: really. Yeah. However, one day, yeah, um my friend Alexandros came to visit me. Mm-hmm. And for some reason he was we, we ended up, I don't know how it happened, but we ended up looking at serial killers. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see v- versions of sk- serial killers that don't have, for me, that don't have so much gore, but they have more kind of...
0: Conceptual Conceptual,
1: concerns. yes. Um, so, although some, for example, um, uh, do you know um, Jeffrey Dahmer? Mm, Jeffrey no. Dahmer, he used to inject... Uh, his victims with formaldehyde. Why? So, so that he, they can stay young forever, and oh. he can have sex with them forever. Oh my goodness! Um, he used to inject fairly young people, Fuck. and so it's a quite um, disturbing case. And he yes. was he had a very angelic face and so on. But my favorite is mm. ah, what's her name? The the, the nurse. Um, let me find
0: it. Sure, but. I think she's known as the nurse, the nurse, or serial killer, if I'm not... Um,
1: no, what's her name? Um, the one with the babies. Geneve Jones. Mm. Right, Geneve Jones is my favorite serial killer. If Why? I could say that I have a, a a favorite killer.
0: Is that an appropriate thing to say?
1: Um, She... Her basis, although she traveled a lot, her basis is Texas. Oh, my goodness. Which is a very beautiful state for such stuff. (laughs) Um, She is responsible for the deaths of about 60 children. Mm. What she did is she once... uh, Before she became a serial killer, she was a nurse. Well, she was a nurse also when she was a serial killer. And um, she um, once somehow by mistake saved Mm -hmm. the child which was almost dread almost about to die right so she she performed a sort of miracle a Mm -hmm, sort of medical miracle mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all the doctors were like wow how did she do that and stuff like that a medical miracle then she continued living her life but of course you don't perform medical miracles all the time absolutely like so for very for for some time after that her life was kind of dull yeah So at some point she was like, I want another medical miracle. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem was, how can you plan that? Right. So that's when the story starts getting really dark. She, when the doctors weren't looking, she injected babies with some poison, Mm -hmm. but not so much in order to kill them. Right. But enough poison in order to... Um, make their condition critical oh so they were in critical condition but because she knew what exactly it was it was possible for her to reverse the effect of it she would cure them she wanted to cure them so that she can be hailed a hero again and again and again how was she a serial killer then because very many times it didn't work oh, right. and so very many times 60 in fact <laughs> oh my uh, goodness they <laughs> 66 so 60 yeah they fuck. they she tried to she tried to um 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 reverse the, mm. the 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 poison but didn't manage and some cases they she did so every time before they realized that fuck she she's responsible she's been doing this um, mm. Before they realized that um, she saved, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, very many kids, and then, but very mm. many others also died. Um, so tragic. Um, it's ve- <laughs> I think it's I think it's my favorite story because it's something to do with um, heroic. Mm. Uh, understanding of science mm. and how science is seen as this kind of uh, you know super, super superpower power, basically, basically. Yeah.
0: but it's also kind of to me it's qu- quite fascinating that in this in both of these stories you can see an underlying kind of um, reasoning be- be behind the, the the act and I mentioned yeah usually there is I mean serial mm. killers explain it's not like some kind of gore like yeah. in a horror movie yeah, that yeah, just yeah. happens. Uh, with no reason this is the thing uh when i was when i was uh, studying psychology one of our professors uh here her research was about uh, uh children who kill their mothers okay and all of them wh- when it comes to mother side ha- matricide i don't know how it's called and um, all of them when they go to the court basically the court says this person cannot be sane so basically they're always uh, put in a psychiatric prison not in a not in the real prison uh-huh. um, and we actually uh, went uh, as a field trip to the psychiatric prison in, uh, in Daphne it's terrible is the last really violent asylum in, in Greece um, they have them like bound in beds and stuff it's super terrible mm. but one of the the, the, the the arguments that this professor was making uh, was that this thing that there is in the Greek law and I think in most legal systems uh, that's, in Greek, it's called though. It's like you don't have the responsibility of your actions, of your own actions. So if you if you are crazy, according to psychiatry, then the court cannot basically um, m- like judge you because you are not responsible of your own actions. And what she was saying was that there is no person that is th- that has no reason, like that does a crime without a reason, basically, that like. M- this is impossible. Every time there is a crime, there is like an underlying reasoning. And if you ask the people, they will tell you what's the reasoning behind their crimes. Okay. And in the case of matricide, it was very often very concrete and like, you know, long-term uh, reasons behind the, the crimes. <laughs> Thank you. That was a heavy topic, I think.
1: Should we go to a song? Yes, let's go to let's a song. Let's listen to something by Herman Kopp.
0: Good. So we're, we're back. back. ABC of it, time. Did you like the song? I really like it, and uh, sometimes I'm like, how many <laughs> things that I don't know can you find? <laughs> like literally hundreds.
1: Yeah, you know me. I, d- I like but to play obscure things, and it's really nice, though. That's the thing. It was. um It's uh yeah. Hermann Kop is one of uh one more from of the Neu Deutsche Welle's mm. period. Uh, Fantastic, uh, Gutierrez. Good period, auteurs, Good auteurs, period. Auteurs. Um, uh, He released things in tapes that only mm. a few people had, and then in 2004 it was released for the first time on Vine. Right. the Song is called Gift. Oh, that's by nice. By the way, yes. Um, so
0: there are going to be lots of Germans, as we said, because today, th- th-
1: yeah, today's session <laughs> will have a lot of Germans because Kay is a is a is
0: more loved. Yeah, Cherries.
1: It's a, it's a for sure a German, <laughs> in Germany, a, a German, uh, st- you know, w- a, a German character to start a word with. <laughs> um, so, are we yeah. ready? Yeah, we're ready. Oh. No, <laughs> not for that. <laughs> Why am I making people laugh?
0: I don't know. Makes you hate me. <laughs> the next word is kitties. Kitties, kitties. What does like that cats. mean? Like, but not cats. Cats as a as a cute thing. Because I think we are living in this really bizarre cat-dominated media environment. Yeah, it started in with uh, with social media, um, and it's everywhere. Yeah, it's, I would like to say we're post cats but it's not even true. We're, I mean. <coughs> I Excuse mean, me. I'm look. I'm. I've got
1: my Facebook uh, wall, yeah. and I have. I'm. I. I think I have. You know, I, I'm. I'm someone who uses the unfollow button fairly frequently, as you, you know. You do. You do. Before the unfollow. Sometimes button,
0: by publicly calling out people.
1: But no, I mean that was the unfriend. Oh, right. Before the unfollow button was invented, I am the only person I know who has removed 520 people from their profile. Right. Uh, that's like 520 unfriendings. It's quite a lot. Severe, so I'm very um protective uh, one might say of uh my Facebook wall, yeah like and the feed. yet, and yet despite that, it's still fucking full of animals.
0: <laughs> What's the deal with animals honestly I mean there is this element of basically i don't know uh innocence, obviously. But But how many cute animals
1: can someone, like, really see? And, okay, if it's, like, bats and stuff, I'm Mm. like, yes, that's nice. The weird animals. But how many many more cats, honestly?
0: I mean, if you go a couple of thousand years ago to Uh the ancient Egyptians, cats were considered, like, a a divine creature and were worshipped accordingly. I see. So there must be something that cats do to people that make them love them I think it's that they don't love you back that's very good for people (laughs) treat them mean to keep them keen yeah for thousands of years For for thousands of years (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: Um, because I mean it's like it's it's almost as if they occupy in Facebook they occupy
0: a slightly higher position than people absolutely but the thing is that there was this other th- recent development in the kitties, uh, kind of ruling of the internet, the crypto kitties. Did you hear about that phenomenon? I don't know anything
1: about the crypto kitties. H- does it have to do with cryptocurrency?
0: Yeah, but. Allow me to t- to speak about it. It's been a while since I mentioned <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Yes. So basically, crypto kitties. Is you, you
1: once said you were gonna you go you, you were gonna talk about the cryptocurrency of the week in each show, <laughs> but we never really did. that Yeah, we never followed. It, that is, that, is that because cryptocurrencies for a while were like going really down,
0: shit? Yeah. It's still not recovered. Yeah, like to the previous levels. But let's hope that one day we will be rich. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen, but anyway. Um CryptoKitties. So basically CryptoKitties was something like uh, an c- internet collectible. So by utilizing the blockchain, each of the CryptoKitties had unique characteristics that you could not copy or like basically make uh, remake. Um and And then you could breed the cryptokitties between each other and produce new cryptokitties with unique characteristics. And as the game progressed and more generations of cryptokitties came into being, they would have more surreal characteristics. They would be like half a mermaid or like they would wear like funny hats. They would have funny facial hair. And the more you breed them, the more strange they became and the more rare they became and the more rare they became, the more expensive they became. Okay. So, at some point, there were, like, at the peak of the frenzy that lasted for, like, a week, uh, you could buy... Wait, crypt-
1: wait. All these things that you described with all these comma and comma and comma, and the more that, that lasted a week.
0: Like, maybe three weeks, maximum. Okay. But at the peak of the fad, like, you could... You could when was s- the peak of the fad? Uh, s- six months ago? Like, yeah, November. You could buy, like, a cryptocurrency for, saying 40 euros and then sell it for 100, 120, 1,000. There was one crypto kitty that was sold for, like, I can't remember, something like 17,000. Like, crazy amount of money. Why? The idea was that this wouldn't, like, this would last for for a long time. It's basically a classic pyramid (laughs) schema. People thought, oh, if we buy one now, it will be much more expensive later. Uh, But obviously, it didn't work.
1: And if you're going to buy something like that, which is, like thin air for seventeen thousand. how much money are you expecting to make really
0: this is a good question but i think with the when the cryptocurrencies go up in the periods of like what we call a bull run what <laughs> does that mean like you know everything goes up basically and you don't even have to worry uh, because everything doubles every day uh-huh. mm, then in these kind of periods people lose sense of how much money they have how much this like because it's it's just numbers on the screen and you don't you don't really realize the value and you just think it will keep going up basically. So that's the story of crypto kitties. I'm glad because I bought I bought one and I sold it the next day, so I made a profit, like a small profit, but I made a profit. But I'm glad I didn't keep it.
1: Should we does that uh, conclude our kitties uh, part?
0: Kitties. But the thing is, just I want to add. The specificity of Kitties, because it could be anything. It could be robots. It could be, I don't know, naked women. It could be anything. Literally anything that would be the the blockchain collectible. But it's it's not uh, it's not by uh, it's not by chance that it was the Kitties that captivated the people's kind of imagination and became the biggest um, blockchain kind of game phenomenon.
1: Yeah. So we're living the cat era, I guess.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's move into a song, uh, band from the Netherlands called Kim or Kiem, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. and the song is called Request to Obtain.
0: Mm, nice. We're back after yeah. this crescendo. In generally, songs do they go have a crescendo? I don't yeah. know if you notice. <laughs> it's my favorite structure. Anyway,
1: are we ready for the next uh, word? We're
0: ready. The next word is kits. A very dubious term. kitsch Cage. Okay. Oh it's a really it's a, it's a bit outdated also as a term I guess. Kids, yeah. Especially in English. You don't hear it that much anyway. They used it a lot in Greece though <coughs> as a bad thing. I'll re I'll read the um you
1: the know the definition. definition. Art objects um or design right. considered to be in poor taste because of excessive garishness mm-hmm. or sentimentality. Right but sometimes appreciated in an ironic or otherwise knowing way. Mm.
0: Um, So in the very definition, there is this element of like meta uh, appreciation of the, of of the thing of the situation.
1: I think my, my, um, you know, my opinion about this.
0: Um, (laughs) Do I? Yeah. I can guess.
1: The (laughs) reason why I think Kitsch is very much present in a, country. It's a term that would be very much present, I think, in a country like Mm. Germany, maybe. Mm -hmm. And is misused in a country like Greece. Right. I would say it's used correctly in a country like Germany. Misused in a country like Greece. No longer relevant in a country like the UK.
0: Uh, Oh, you need to unpack this. Should I unpack this? (laughs) Yes, please. Would you like me to unpack this? I want you to unpack this. I'm
1: unpacking my kitsch now.
0: (laughs) Unpack your kitsch.
1: Okay. Um... I think, first of all, if we look at this definition, yes. it says that the, it refers to objects or design considered to be in poor taste. That's now, a difficult now, start, a as, rough start. As, as uh, you know, um, Stuart Lee says, now. <laughs> <laughs> look, um, obviously, <laughs> there is no such thing as poor taste. Mm. This is What about you two? Subjective. Yeah, this is subjective. There's no such thing as poor taste. Um, poor taste is a modernist ghost in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's a is a ghost of um an early 20th century minimalist uh, strictness that mm-hmm. said that uh, uh things should not be excessive, but they right. should be fundamental. Right? Um and that they should be—I don't know—I um, mean, obviously, early modernism had its own reasons for yeah, existing. Yeah, it's like functionalist and like essential. But um, so anything that didn't fit—that—that that doesn't, that doesn't fit that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, functionalism mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, let's say, seriousness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, sparseness. I don't know what to call it. S- uh, being sensible, right? You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, um, falls under the category of kitsch. Right. Germans um have a um, you know they're they're invested. To I didn't to know to that. Kitsch as a term, mm-hmm. of course. Uh German is very much into Is
0: it a German word anyway? I don't know the origins. I don't know of the kitsch.
1: origins either. You want me to look to look the origins up?
0: Mm, yeah, it could
1: be interesting for this discussion. I mean, as a descriptive term, kitsch originated in the art markets of Munich. Oh, see. well done you mm-hmm. in the 1860s and the 80s, 1870s describing mm-hmm. cheap, popular and marketable pictures and sketches mm-hmm. Das Buch vom Kitsch mm. Hans Reimann defines it as a professional expression born in painter's studio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course Walter Benjamin talks about Kitsch and so on mm-hmm. uh, so <sighs> the german side of this thing is not really as i mean i i think in greece it's it's considered like a no-go yeah yeah yeah, absolutely like it's in bad taste and therefore that's bad Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you shouldn't do it it's like a swear word like oh this thing is yeah it's it's it hasn't been reappropriated let's say also because greeks don't don't have the term camp Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. none of that stuff really and
0: sometimes it's used inter- interchangeably, like they, they refer to something that's camp as kitsch in Greece. Yeah, in general all these terms in Greek is is
1: are, are, are dreadful. The relationship between kitsch, camp, trash mm. uh I don't know, it's mm. it's or pop even Mm-mm. is are interchangeable Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. really falsely applied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but Germans have an investment in kitsch, um in a sense of um Taking an actual pride in things that can be like that, mm-hmm. whereas the Brits, for example, would go there only ironically
0: in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. That's not true. What about the, the the middle class kind of celebration of like you know, weird China and like this eccentricity, the the middle class eccentricity of Englishness. You know what I mean? Like the 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 eccentric ont- aunties and you know this this kind of. Um, yeah perhaps i mean I, I i don't know to to what extent this is
1: unironic mm. because i think irony is really embedded quite deeply in pop in in uh, british pop it's culture. already there before <laughs> I, I think so yeah, yeah it's true i mean these are some of the stuff that uh, when i landed in the uk in the mid late 90s we were doing in cultural studies and we had a you know, the very first module that I had yeah. to take and I failed was called Images of Britishness.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And it was impossible. It so, you know, so hard for because you. Because it was very difficult for me to r- realize the concept of you buy a newspaper and do not actually believe what it says. Yeah. <laughs> when they were referring to the sun. Right. That, you know, that people can be buying the newspaper because it is not true what it <laughs> says. So, um,
0: this is a strange module it, to land on,
1: yeah. It was very, very difficult, but anyway, um, so, uh, I don't know. The, 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 here in Greece, the, the, the situation with kitsch is, uh, there is a lot of unintentional kitsch, absolutely. Um, but uh, overall, I'm not too keen on that term. I mm-hmm, would say mm-hmm. I, I would go with someone like, um, I would imagine that if I had here instead mm-hmm. of you to be looking at if I had MIA yeah. and I said to what MIA, would you say what, to MIA <laughs> and I said to MIA what's your opinion about kitsch I'm sure she would respond something like there's no such thing yeah. as taste is uh, a multicultural
0: mm-hmm. amalgam of things I uh, think that's the main reason that in the UK this is relevant because there was such an there, there is an embrace of this exact element of multicultural kind of colourful and Kind of uh, postmodern, uh, multi layered visual uh, palette, yeah, mixture, yeah. hybrids. And I think it would be considered even racist to call this Kitch, kitsch. Yes. So Abs- I absolutely. think there is, there is this kind of. Th- that's why they're in a post kitsch maybe I, moment. In
1: general, I am not interested at all in anything that defines particular modes of taste mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. makes them become the canons of something right i'm obviously you know very happy with uh saying this is what i like this is what Mm. i don't like and i'm extremely picky as Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, you know i could for for example when i'm talking about a song i could uh, use musicological arguments about why is is a complex song or Mm -hmm, isn't mm -hmm. but good or bad taste is so extremely subjective that it makes absolutely no sense for those terms to exist. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, a, a dated term in a way, mm-hmm. with its own history. Who knows what will happen to this term? What will
0: life bring?
1: Maybe it will die. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, let's move into a song. Mm-hmm. Kling Klong is the band. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Yes, and um, the um, album talks about loving your refrigerator. <laughs>
0: The ending. I really like the ending. We're back, the ABC of Ita, the episode on the letter. Came. I think we don't have the event, the event, le- the sound. But you can do a manual sound, so I can give you the next word. The next word is it's not a word. P- it's not a word. What is it? Are you ready? Yes.
1: We want. We need sound. Hmm.
0: Can you play the sound bit?
2: philosopher of the week.
0: That's not the words. It's That's the philosopher of the week. Today, mm-hmm. it's a very dear philosopher to me. Is it? Not very dear, actually, as as a person, but uh, someone I've I've read. <laughs> it's Julia Gris- Kristeva. Julia Kristeva. The Bulgarian diva.
1: Or or spy. Or was, spy. As, <laughs> as it aspired recently.
0: <laughs> so there was this rumor that Kristeva came to Paris as a as a spy of the uh, the Bulgarian regime of the time, the communist regime. And to be honest, this is this is really funny. Every time um it's a uh, there are very often accusations for philosophers and academics, high-profile academics who, who come from non-Western backgrounds, that they are somehow interconnected with the regimes and the regimes are awful and, you know, like Sarah Mahmoud being related to Erdogan and, you know, but that's that also has to do with how ruling classes in non-Western places operate and how this is perceived in the West where the ruling classes are better at concealing their like shit I guess <laughs> going back to Kristeva going back to Kristeva mm-hmm, thank you um, so oh, where should I start so Kristeva her big career starts with uh, her PhD dissertation where she is the first one to introduce in Paris in uh, in France and in, Fran- in the French intellectual circles of uh, Marxist and post-structuralist people um she's the first to translate uh um the the russian structuralists right like um you know like um jakobson like jakobson and bakhtin and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it's because she speaks russian Right, because she's a spy. <laughs> she speaks fluent Russian, so she's the one to translate these these writings for the first time, and somehow use them uh, in in a dialogue with psychoanalysis um, and with uh, you know with structuralism in general. And this is like an explosive combination, obviously. Um, and her her thesis on the poetic language is groundbreaking. It's personally it's my fa- my favorite work of hers. Um, uh, the book is called uh, Revolution in the Poetic Language um, and it's basically a very structural analysis of uh, modernist poetry and she... H- how does she
1: relate it to psychoanalysis? Then? So
0: basically what she's, she does is she does a very structural analysis like she takes the words and analyzes the way they they resonate with the body let's say that the rhythms and they're like the way they use consonants and vowels It's a super structuralist analysis but at the same time she says that the resonance to the body to the body the the resonance of words with the body is related to uh, a pre-linguistic experience the child has in relation to the mother uh-huh. what she calls the semiotic so basically the semiotic is the field of signification that exists before language and is more like, kind. it has to do with tensions and and presence and absences, like more kind of abstract concepts. Okay. So Kristeva thinks that this kind of affective field remains uh, and like we can experience it through art and, and specifically she talks about how we experience that through poetry. And when did she write that? Uh, late sixties, early seventies, I mm-hmm. think. And it's it's also worth mentioning this anecdote um, when she presented here um, here, PhD. You know, in in France they have a big like event when you present your uh, when you defend your thesis. It's open to the audience, um, so there was like a full theater. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Roland Bart was one of the examiners. Uh-huh. And when when it came to when it was his turn to offer some comments and make some questions he said I don't have any question Um, and this dissertation changed the way I understand text which is quite
1: Is that what he said? Yeah So it meant that it was a very
0: good dissertation I think it was very good if (laughs) Roland Barthes said that (laughs) the founder of like semiotics Um, mm, not really but you know an important figure anyway Uh, so Christevo then introduce this concept like the object that was became super huge when uh judith butler uh discussed it in her um um gender trouble what is the object mm, oh, very roughly and very obviously the argument toned down <laughs> a lot um, is what is basically uh the remainder of the subject subjectification process. So uh, anything that is not that cannot become a subject. That is kind of um, let's say the reject the rejected parts of the symbolic order. Let's say um, also something that is some the things that cause I don't know uh, disgust and and repulsion. I see. Um, so it's, it's both symbolic in terms of like this p- this people who do not fit in the social order but it's also kind of a b- bodily experience and she uses this example I've told you this story right she uses these examples of like how the object is like shit and blood and but also things that rem- rem- reminds us of shit and blood like um sewage water or she mentions the skin of yoghurt which, uh, <laughs> which I, I
1: am told uh, that you traditionally love. <laughs> I really child. loved
0: as a child so when I was reading the, the object paper I was like what it's not the same like the sewage water the, the skin of the yoghurt is delicious delicious yes
1: <laughs>
0: I think never really really hated it <laughs> I'm
1: sure people in uh, various scenes in Germany would also say that other things are delicious that like
0: poop <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it's Kristeva's uh, version of object, um, <laughs> but but yeah, also like in, in this analysis, object is very contingent to the current symbolic order. So one could say that what is signified as object can change, etc.
1: I see. So
0: this is my Kristeva segment. I think in comparison to other philosophers, I was more kind of uh, coherent. Thank you, Phil. Can we have a song?
1: Yes, let's have a song. What is the song? Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) Who later turned into Lilliput, but I'm going to play something from their Kleenex period. Probably they got sued. Yeah, they got sued by Kleenex, so they changed to Lilliput, but we will stick to Kleenex. Okay. So, uh, we're, we're back. back,
0: the ABC of Town once again here in uh, Beton 7 Radio.
1: We've uh, gone uh, past our, the first half of the show.
0: Really? Already? Mm-hmm.
1: Already. See, you were worried that the K show will be difficult. I'm still worried.
0: You're still worried? Mm.
1: Why? Because we have another half.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit sad. Why? I'm in the K hall. Are
1: Let me do a... Um, um. Ta-tun, ta-tun. <coughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> that one. Is that a good uh?
0: <laughs> response to my Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh let's go on. Shall we give you, uh, shall I give you an- another word? Yes. Wow wah wah wah. wah, wah. <coughs> the next word is kebab. Kebab. Yeah, Ke- kebab. 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 Kebab is in like Is in the I mean what in, hmm. Mostly in Western, in Northern Europe, they call the uh, yeah kebab kebab shops, not gyros, not gyros, but like gyros. It's very similar, actually. When you're in Germany, it's super similar the affect and the the services. The only difference is that gyros serves pork, because gyros is uh, the, the, the 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 Greek version of kebab. Oh, Did you know, did you know, okay, let me say very quickly something about Gyros. Okay. Like, all of Gyros, all of it, Mm -hmm. every single one you see everywhere in Greece and abroad. And abroad. And abroad. Right. I mean, at least in Europe, I don't know what's going on in America. It's produced in the very same factory. This is not possible. Yeah, it is, it is. is, It's a huge factory in Alephsina, near Athens huge place and they use like a very specific mix of um like ingredients uh to glue the meat together because um obviously um the inside of the gyros stays raw for a long long time because only the the outer layer is being cooked you understand what i'm talking about right and because it's pork or chicken which is meat that shouldn't be stayed raw for a long time. Uh-huh. They need to put some chemicals to make it like stay, like healthy, uh, like healthy and also kind of taste okay. So the only one, <laughs> there is a patent of how to make euros that lasts for a long, uh-huh. and there is one company that has the patent. So you can make this is not possible. It's a conspiracy. No, no, no. It's a friend of ours who (laughs) studied like uh, food. uh, How it's called? Food technology. That told us the story, and they've they've actually meet like visited the the facilities. It's 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 true, and also like not not all of the workers can do the mixture. Only the owner and the three people that he really trusts are responsible for making the secret glue. And how come? And how come he's not like? He's a millionaire. Mil- a million. No, no, he's very rich. He's a super rich, like food chemist, and uh, of course you can make your own gyros at home or whatever, but it's 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 not gonna last. Uh, like it's it's gonna be dangerous for consumption, and that's why Europe was trying to. If you remember, they were trying to ban gyros. Were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kebab also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Giros, like the
1: chicken. I don't know, because you make stories up. Okay. And even the audience of this show knows that frequently you make stories up. How would they know? (laughs) Because there have been quite a few occasions in which I said, oh, that doesn't sound true. And I said, it's not true. It's because it isn't, yes.
0: But really, um, this story, uh, it's not, even if it's. You know, fabricated it is not my brain who did the fabrication, it's by Manos. So,
1: I mean, what's the I mean, what's the, it's it's why is kebab such a good idea? Is it because it's because I guess and such a successful idea mm. is what I mean. It's good food it? to 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 have when you're drunk, um, stays up until late, but before the cultural studies approach, right. why, is it, why is it so successful? Is what I'm saying. Um, is it because mm. It's cooked quickly yeah, absolutely so it's, it's fast like, food it's it's fast food even faster
0: than burger in a way in a way yeah um I don't know why is it so successful you're right, you know you always know what you will get it's it's kind of like an international like kind of standard there's a s-
1: significant difference between kebabs throughout Europe, you think so I, th- I absolutely think so. Um, so give me some examples. I find the kebabs in London hardly edible. True. They are very. They're not. They're not spiced a lot, mm. and because the meat they use is quite basic. Yeah. But they don't spice it very much. Mm. The result is not fantastic, and they also do this. You know, it's 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 really strange. Uh, I'm going into a slightly different territory, which is this, mm. the notion of the sandwich. But it's really strange that <laughs> the, Brit, the Brits have invented the sandwich yeah. yet, but they don't have no don't understanding of a sandwich at all. Yeah. They put like all the meat in the... They have like an extremely thin pita bread, yeah. so you, it doesn't hold it all together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then loads of meat, as, as, as if this proves that it's value for money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then loads of salad on top, which you can't really mix with a thing. Mm -hmm.
0: So you can't consume it all together. It's super annoying, yeah. You're right. I haven't thought about it. Whereas in Germany... In Germany, look, it's it's not so simple. I used to
1: think I I would also go for the same as what you just said Mm -hmm. some years ago. Okay. Where I would say, whereas in Germany, it's very good. Yeah. However... What happened? I've realized that the... Berlin version of kebab which is what you also I presume know most Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is a very sui generis kind of Berlin thing tell me tell me about it it's not really it's kind of it's a bit like Fatih Hakim you know (laughs) okay yeah it's it's like hybridic you mean it's absolutely Mm hybridic and uh, I think it's as you know have you seen the the people that act in his movies, mm-hmm, extremely, mm-hmm. you know, the best of both uh, worlds. Yeah. So the kebab of Berlin is a similar thing, you know, it has some wonderful sauces from mm-hmm, the German from style. What do you mean, like from the German style, you said? Yeah. They have like a sauce. What is this? Like. You know, kind of spicy sauce. It means nothing. Okay. Herb sauce. It's like some orange thing, but which tastes great. Mm -hmm. It's all this culture of basically Mm -hmm. mayo-yogurt hybrid uh, spaces, Mm -hmm. let's say. Uh, a, A bread which is, although it's somewhat... Turkish, it's much more intense mm. than what you would find maybe in, in other. The, in the UK, for example. Yes. And uh, altogether, so it altogether has a kind of sandwich feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like d- d- durum kebab, for example. Uh, durum is a, is, a, is, a, is a kind of subcategory. Mm-hmm. But anyway, either, for either durum or normal kebab, mm-hmm. whatever. It's uh Yeah, it's, it's,
0: uh, I think it's a very successful product it's actually okay th- I'm gonna say something really problematic I remember when I went to Istanbul and then straight away uh, went to Berlin I liked the Berlin I mean it's not problematic per se because it's obviously closer to to the taste of the European palette. but I really like the Berlin kebab better
1: <coughs> yeah sometimes hybrids work better mm. than the
0: originals mm, the originals <laughs> um, yeah I don't know like I think we Cover the kebab story.
1: No, I, I wanted to say something else. Uh, mm. Despite the kebab differences, mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. I'd like to say that I find it interesting that kebab is so ever present mm. in all in all those European
0: cities. Mm. Do you remember the we paid like I don't remember 14 euros for kebab in Zurich? <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Zurich is a special whatever. Piece. Yeah, special. Um, but I, I I remember once being in a in a queue in uh, Dalston mm-hmm. for a kebab, which of course wouldn't t- taste particularly mm-hmm. nice, mm-hmm. and being in a really long queue and everybody shouting and you know like mm. the delights of London mm. and um, I'm looking forward <laughs> looking forward to the delights of London, um, and I remember thinking, wow, the whole of the Northern European fashion world eats kebab all the time <laughs> and I remember thinking if we are what we eat then essentially street <laughs> fashion
0: in northern Europe it's kebab. is kebabs essentially I yeah. never thought about the connection between kebab and high fashion street fashion street fashion street fashion, street
1: fashion. right and, uh, there's no connection between kebab and high fashion right. sorry the, the high fashion people don't eat kebab <laughs> just no. eat coke yes <laughs> um Let's move into a song. Yeah. Another German band. Kapazität. <laughs> Good.
0: Beautiful and short Yeah Uh,
1: Because We've got mostly Long Tunes (laughs) Yeah But I thought maybe One little Short one Um, So Mm -hmm.
0: Welcome back again Welcome out To the ABC of Vita The K episode Yes
1: We didn't Talking about the K episode People Would have expected Maybe some K references
0: Mm. I Did a slight K reference I mean there's not much to say about Okay. Okay. Um, let's move on, please. <coughs> Next word is a, a double word. It's kale and kefir. Kale <laughs>
1: and kefir. Yeah. They so fall in this two two same category for
0: like healthy farty things. Um, <laughs>
1: a lot of food today. Interestingly. A lot of food. Yeah. Um. So maybe. So we're moving from the. Uber trashy. Yeah. To
0: the uber healthy. The avant-garde of the bio... Queens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kale. First first of all, the kale.
1: Kale is something that I still haven't tried.
0: How, how come, Phil? Where do you live? I live in uh, Athens currently. It's actually not a thing in Athens. It's not a thing in Berlin either, is it? No. Don't be silly. What's you you were just in bedding.
1: I'm not even sure what what it's well, called. It is. looks
0: like it looks like a weed. It looks like a like um strange like cabbage child. No, not like a cabbage. It's just like leaves, green leaves, really dark green leaves, like completely unedible if you don't boil them. Like super tough, super unpleasant. <laughs>
1: If it's super unpleasant why do people eat it it's
0: really healthy and it's like a superfood ah no they eat it in
1: germany of course in fact they always ate it in germany yeah it's grünkohl, so it's like you know in germany they all call they, they call them all cabbage so <laughs> yeah. so. green cabbage white cabbage purple cabbage blue cabbage red cabbage you know it's <laughs> like there's no there's no reason for further identity <laughs>
0: But, you know, like, uh, I'm sure they would eat it. Like, it's such a German thing because it makes you shit like crazy. Um, And also it's very unpleasant and healthy. Um, But the thing is, kale became a a big thing in the past few years um, with the health eating kind of trends and the superfood trends. And they even do this thing called the kale chips, which is, like, really... K- kale chips yeah you just bake the kale yeah and then besides being horrible yeah. it's also crispy so it's like a crispy horrible tasteless thing that they call chips but why is it so healthy um I think it has lots of like uh, iron and it's like super like good for the, um, the digestive system because obviously the the human organism co- organism cannot process this it's it's like literally a cabbage made of steel <laughs> <laughs>
1: if it's so unpleasant way do people eat it. It
0: cleans the insides of you.
1: Ah it's like eating i uh, like razors. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like eating that machine that opens the like cleans, a cleans cleans <laughs> the, 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 the snow out of the <laughs> out of the streets. Okay. It's the equivalent of that.
1: And yeah. uh, and kefir, I, I mean, I before you moved to kefir, I'm I'm, I'm uh, I find it so difficult when it, i mean, I mean, I'm really I don't think I'm ever I'm ready to ever really stay very long in the UK ever again, I don't <laughs> <think>. because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so easily annoyed with so many things. Um, <laughs> because when kef- kale was be, be, you know, when kale was like a thing, mm-hmm. it was everywhere. yeah. It's the same with quinoa and everything in London. It's like, because up until 20 years ago, they used to eat like rocks (laughs) and microwavable car tires. (laughs) Suddenly they discover healthy living. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, you have to have kale. Yeah. so I, I remember at some point going to back to the UK for something and I was like they were like, Oh, do you want kale? And I'm like What? What is that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite special. But you eat it. Um yeah, when they serve it to me I feel like oh that's something good for me after all this crap I've had in my life. Maybe this kale will save me from death.
1: Okay. So you don't take much pleasure from it?
0: No. But the kale chips, they're really entertaining. It's like, you know, like Dadaism, you know, taking something that shouldn't be there. Like, let's have a window chips, you know. <laughs> let's have a kale chips. It's like pretending you can make kale fun. It's yeah. really entertaining.
1: They do it to kids. Yeah. They give them oh, rice crackers.
0: Let's, let's <laughs> trick the kids. They will tell them is. Chips. chips, but it will actually be like green Armageddon.
1: Look, they, uh, there are chips made of fish in Iceland. And
0: That's nice. That's nicer than kale.
1: Is it? I
0: don't know. Is it? I don't know. It's like they do fermented like seal in Iceland. I don't know.
1: Whatever. And what about kefir?
0: Kefir is a different story, Phil.
1: It's your thing, isn't it? <laughs> It's very much in the category of abject. It's very
0: much there. Like, deep in that category. So, basically, it's fermented milk, but you can also have fermented water if you're, like, a hardcore kefir fan like Daniel. Um, So, it's basically, it's fermentation, but unlike yogurt and cheese, where you you just use um, some kind of um, Bacteria. bacteria, this has both bacteria and fungi like a cohabitational colony of bacteria and fungi. Hmm? They live together and they make the milk into disgusting into milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called kefir. <laughs> they really love, 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 love.
1: Why do you love kefir if it's I so disgusting? It's a bit
0: like, it's like really tangy and a little bit fizzy and makes my poop really pleasant. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Because kefir is one of the probiotics. Things.
1: did you try it in uh, in in Berlin where they have it like fresh uh in like the
0: shops do you mean arian ah it's not the same no it's very different actually i iran arian or iran 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 arian is another german thing uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> iran
1: arian is another part of berlin
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yogurt with water it's very different yeah hmm uh it doesn't have the the combination of fungi and microbes and the thing is that uh, is
1: kefir now popular in northern europe
0: the thing is before kefir became popular kombucha came and stole the the moment so and what is that kombucha is like this huge mushroom that looks like um a jellyfish that you put in uh water with sugar and makes it like really fizzy and fermented like slightly vinegary it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite nice. I I like kombucha. Um and in Greece they call it kompatza. So <laughs> they have they don't have to deal with the the word
1: rhyming problems.
0: Yeah. Um Okay. So then kefir lost to kombucha. But kombucha if you do a mistake, it can turn toxic and you can die. Whereas with kefir it's safe. Okay. That's nice it's nice not dying it's quite nice
1: would you like to say anything else about kefir before we move into a song no
0: let's go to the song
1: okay <laughs> So, that was the band of Katra Turana. That's beautiful. From, of course, Tokyo. <laughs> uh, it's from a compilation I have called Welcome to Dreamland, which was a 1985 uh, British compilation of um, being introduced to the stranger bands of the uh, Japanese New Wave. Mm. And all of it is very, 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 very strange. Mm. Great compilation. fantastic. And uh yes, do you know what time it is now? What time is it Phil? Do you know what time it is? What is the time? What time is it now? What is the time? Poetry time. Oh, it's
3: poetry time,
1: Phil.
0: It's time for poems. So today we have a Greek writer for the first time in this show. Is this the first time? And quite possibly the last one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's my favorite Greek poet. Because you don't have
1: many Greek poets you like No, really.
0: but she is my favorite, mm-hmm. and she's not even a poet. Like um, the the extracts you will read are from her book uh, Cassandra Kiolikos, the Cassandra and the Wolf. Her name is Margarita Karapanou. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been translated in English and in French, so if anyone who doesn't speak Greek want to read her work, uh, they can find. Uh, especially the Sleepwalker is a very good translation, in my opinion. How many books um, altogether? She has only four books. Neither of them is poetry book. They are all novels. At least they call them novels in Greek, in Greece. Uh, to me, they're clearly more experimental. They are like kind of mixing, like blurring the the lines between poetry and and uh, prose writing. Um, yeah, Margarita Karapanou was born in uh, nineteen forty six, and she had a very troubled life. Um, her mom was all o- poets in Greece. Ha- <laughs> have a very troubled life. She had particularly troubled life. Okay, uh, she was in the in the asylum for many many years. Uh, she was suffering from bipolar. Um, and She was abused in the in the in the asylum by a psychiatrist. Um, she had a dark history. Her mom was also um, a famous writer, and uh, but because she was living in in the time when women were not really ha- had not easy access to intellectual to the intellectual life, she had to leave Margarita for lo- long periods. And that kind of, like, tainted uh, Margarita Carapano's kind of childhood. Okay. Uh, this book, Cassandra and the Wolf, is basically autobiographical, and uh, Margarita Carapano presents these really surreal short stories from her childhood that uh, they're quite dark, but also quite... Uh, simply and kind of like child in a very childish way expressed so
1: okay Mm. so I'll read two short extracts yeah the first one is called My Mother's Gift Mm -hmm. one day my mum Cassandra brought me a nice doll as a gift it was big and instead of hair It had yellow threads. I put her to sleep in her box. After, I cut her legs and hands so she would fit. Later, I cut her head so she wouldn't be heavy. Now, I really love her. The second poem is called Hide and Seek. It was afternoon, little Zack came to play with me and Konstantinos. It was cold and he was wearing a long coat with a hood. He insisted we played hide-and-seek. I lifted little Zack and put him in a cabinet up near the ceiling. I locked the cabinet and then we forgot about him and we went to eat lemon pies. Three days later, they finally found little Zach. He was still wearing his hood, but he looked much smaller. He looked like a tiny
0: mole.
4: <laughs>
0: That's the <Margarita> Carapano. <laughs> the whole book is so intense. Uh, it's full of like, these childish stories with a dark twist. And... Uh, and yeah i mean once you find there's no dark twist they are dark throughout throughout yeah 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 um all of your books are like that they're brilliant 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 books only four unfortunately very short Uh, a friend of mine when she found the first book by carapano she was so much in love with her and she wanted it to last for long so she decided she will only read one book per year so it it would last more at least four years. Yeah, at least four years.
1: It's still four years. It doesn't <laughs> last very long.
0: No, but I like I like this approach. And, and is she's she, very very different to the most of the Greek writers. Is she considered a classic in Greece now? No, absolutely not. You know, when I first came to Athens, I was in this group of uh, boys. Uh, they were talking about literature and stuff, and they asked me what do I like, and I said I really 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 like Margarita Karapanou, and. And one of them was like, who is she? And I'm like, she's one of the most important Greek uh, novel writers. And he was like, Oh, I don't read women, he said. <laughs> in all sincerity, I was, I was really like one of my first moments where I realized, you know. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what world we're living in. <laughs> wow. Well. Yeah. So, yes, it's not like by by any way she's not part of the canon, but she's recognized, especially among certain circles, let's say. Let's
1: hope that, uh, you know, you are introducing her work a little bit today to some people. Hopefully. And they will go and look up mm, mm. Uh, the work. Um, I think I don't really want to talk about
0: something else now i think mm. let's move into a song but uh, may i add something yeah like fairly small bit uh your book sleepwalker takes place in a greek island and at the, the final scene is uh spoiler alert for those who haven't read it uh the whole island is covered in garbage because there is a uh, some kind of uh, strike and uh, the garbage like uh, gets on fire because it's so hot it's just, like stinky and there is fire and garbage everywhere and I think this is the best like counter example to the Elites uh, and the Greek poets kind of you know the Greek islands are so beautiful mm-hmm. she she basically she nails the the misery of the Greek islands so perfectly mm-hmm. so, and that's I think that's a major kind of contribution to the Greek letters
1: sounds fantastic actually I want to yeah I think I'm going to get into it Absolutely. as well. Actually, mm-hmm. I I, I want to look it up um, more. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move into a song, uh, Jill Crossen and uh, Ah, what's the name of the song? I don't want to see where you are near something like this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look it up. Since mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that you are here. <laughs>
0: We're back. The ABC of Fita. The last uh, 20 minutes of the show.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, How many more words? Maybe we take another two or three words. Mm -hmm.
0: Will you give me the drum roll?
1: Should I give you the drum
0: roll? If you want to. The the next. the next word <laughs> the next word the next word the next word is the next word the next word is kissing kisses kissing kisses kissing 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 kissinger. kissing kissing why would we want to discuss kissing it's a really interesting topic, I think. What's an interesting topic? There are topic? different kinds of kissing, first of all. There is the kissing, the greeting kissing, very popular in our country.
1: And then there is the
0: amorous kissing.
1: What this, I didn't hear what's the, what are the different... There
0: is the, 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 the greeting, kissing as greeting. Yeah. And then there is the kissing with the saliva, uh, <laughs> with the tongue, the Frenchy.
1: Which, which uh, kissing do you want to talk about? Both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the, the the greeting, I don't know much. I know that there is different number of times you kiss in different countries. Yeah,
1: like in Switzerland, for example, you have to do it eight times. No. No. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to do it three times.
0: Three. Yeah. That's a lot. Strange. The Swiss are not that warm, otherwise. Strange. Yeah. I think. One, they, two, three. They exhaust all of their like feelings in this <laughs> compulsive kissing. <laughs> yeah, something like There's this. There's no much left.
1: I um always have problems with the greeting kissing
0: you don't like I don't really like Is it, it because
1: you're beardy. No, it's not physically. I don't like it. I don't like this kind of uh, forced uh, proximity. Forced proximity. Yeah. I really yeah, don't like it's it. Shit. You don't like it either. I don't like I'm, it. I'm the one that speaks here, but you are even worse than me. But
0: I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm. I'm, r- I'm not happy with that. Pushing myself to remember if I've ever seen you. I think uh, my family is not very kissy. I never kiss my brothers, for example. No. No. So it's like Andy Kissing kind um, of attitude I, was I grew up in.
1: <coughs> I was um, in a band, as you know, in London with uh, mm. various people. Yes. And um, one of them were, was a French bassist.
0: Oh, no. Uh, both French and a bassist. Ah,
1: come on. He's fine.
0: It's not a good combo, <laughs> I'm saying.
1: And he... Um, He was quite alienated by the fact that I didn't kiss when I. Did you
0: reject the kisses too.
1: I didn't reject the. I didn't push (laughs) people away. Punch (laughs) them and stuff. No, but (laughs) this is my personal space. You you know that um you know you know that uh, when you try to kiss someone or Mm. hug someone and they know if they they, and it doesn't go well. Yeah, it's really bad. Like for example, when we meet people from the. you know, municipality of Athens and yeah. robots and yeah. they try to be human.
0: Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And they so, live when they kiss you they leave like slime on your like Aura slime. <laughs>
1: anyway, um <laughs> so um Yeah, I have um I'm 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 working on it. Mm. It's never too late. Mm, I think what I mean by working on it is two <laughs> ways. Yeah. I'm both working on Kissing, yeah. greet people for greetings, yeah.
0: and on teaching people not to kiss when they greet. Ah, uh, so that's it's a, a twofold project. You know, I like the like the informal hug, as a f- like fake proximity kind of greeting thing. More civilized.
1: Yeah, hug is better, but you anyway. can also
0: rub your. Penis on another person. Oh, no. very, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, no, well done. I'm very pro consent. Um, I don't, I don't like touching other people anyway. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't know the the whole forced proximity. But
1: what about the other type of kissing? Did you want to say something about erotic kissing?
0: Ah, erotic kissing. Yeah, um, a few years ago, before I left to London, uh, there was this, there was this game in in queer parties. Um, that was called the hat. I don't know how it started, but it was super popular. In Every party you would go, like a queer party you would go, they would play this game, which is basically you would give the hat, there was a hat, like a fancy hat, and you would pass it from one person to another, and you had to give it with a kiss, like a proper kiss, mouth to mouth. I mean, you could obviously say no, but most people d- wouldn't say no.
1: Peer pressure.
0: Yeah, peer pressure. So it was like you would you would end up kissing all these, like, strangers. and This is
1: not erot- a case of erotic no, kissing. No,
0: it was.
1: Not really.
0: Mm, s- could be.
1: This is a a very special Greek mix of <laughs> <laughs> you know, customary kissing meets like. tongues. Ta- <laughs> the use of tongues.
0: Yeah. It was really intense. And I remember, like, it was very casual. But now, from a dis- safe distance, that was, like, a really bizarre game. Um, but it was also kind of interesting because you, you would like, if you were gay, you would kiss women and you would kiss lesbians, and if you were straight, you would, you would kiss like people of the same gender, and it was kind of a safe and easy way to play with the idea of queerness. And also, like, I found out lesbians kiss really nicely, according to my taste. Like, not like, you know, how gay men, like, they pop they you prod, they prod. with the tongue Too much. to find, like, oil. Um The lesbians are not, like, passive. They, there is tongue. It's more, like, wholesome.
1: It's wholesomer. <laughs> it's more round. <laughs> yeah, lesbians. and,
0: like, complex and kind of, and also waiting for your response. more, like, response-based tongue. <laughs>
1: You could say the same uh, a little bit about uh, cinema.
0: You're very far from the microphone. This, I think it's the same with cinema. I think
1: lesbian cinema is much more response-based than gay cinema, <laughs> which is
0: just prodding.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you don't have anything more to say, I, I think we will mo- move into say. a song, or <laughs> rather a piece of music, Yeah. Um, by a artist called Sherry Knight. Mm-hmm. Knight as in like... Oh, Knight. with a K, Knight. Primary, <laughs> Knight. Primary Colors. Nice. Do you it's think that the ones Sherry Knight would imagine that she would end up in a Greek podcast with, we can, these, with these pieces? We
0: can email her. <laughs> yeah. It's not Greek. We speak English. Okay. Right. It's an international podcast, podcast.
1: right? Are we ready to move into the next? Uh, and would that <sighs> so be so l-
0: many words? Actually, mm,
1: no. Do, how many what? words? How many more words do we have?
0: A couple of them.
1: A couple of them? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Should I go? What? The next word is... Kink. Kink. Yeah, kink. 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 Like kinky. Kinky. We've spoken like very many times about... So many.
1: Uh, people would think we're like posers. So many times about BDSM and all
0: that stuff. And sex we? and blah, blah. Uh,
1: why should we mention this again? Is it because we don't have any K-words?
0: because K-words are sparse.
1: Um... What do you think of kinky things? Do you like them? Because, uh, look, the reason why I said we should do yeah, this word yeah, yeah, is me. because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a kind of dribble here. Dribble? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Um, I'm thinking of, like, going, like, sideways. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering to what extent a lot of things that are... What does it mean, kinky
0: Yeah. and kink? Mm. And whether all sex, in a way, is kink okay i see where you're going um so the distinction between vanilla and kinky is not i'm not too sure what that exactly means would
1: you like to elaborate a little bit um for example nudity Mm -hmm. for very many people nudity has something kinky Mm -hmm. and for very many people nudity has not something not at all kinky right so clothes and nude, nudity mm-hmm. are very interchangeable. Right. For some people, for example, um, you know, being like dressing up as fluffies or something like that mm-hmm. is their king. Right. And for some other people, being normal is not really their kink, but in a way kind of is.
0: I mean, okay, there is historically like a kind of sex that is considered... The normal, that is like the copulative copulative sex for making children, but um,
1: outside of the making children part, yeah, which, as we know, is not really percentage-wise the most common kind of sex that happens.
0: No, no, not at all. Everything else,
1: it's I think, in a way, is rooted in fantasy, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it is, even even if it, pr- uh, you know. Even if it is about... I don't know, maybe I'm entering psychoanalytic territory. No, that's territory super so that psychoanalytic. I shouldn't, because yeah. I'm not trained.
0: But whatever, you, t- you tell us your story.
1: Um, I'm just wondering to what extent uh, the performance of normality, since everything is a performance, mm-hmm. the performance of normality is a king of some sort.
0: I mean, that's exactly what... And also exactly, but that's similar to what Lacan says. Lacan no, says there is no such thing as a sexual relation that's exactly the reason because like there is no such thing as a pure sexual act everything is fantasy mm-hmm. and everything is Im- imbued with meaning and there is always like an impossibility to reach the the the, the, the fulfillment of the fantasy So, in a way, there is no such thing as sex. Everything is kink and perversion. I'm glad I agree with him. You see? Um, Because also, you know, I'm thinking to what extent when, for
1: example, let's say you have a kink, right? Mm -hmm. And your kink is to wear leather trousers. Right. Surely, that at some point becomes normalized. Absolutely, yeah. And therefore, by the time it becomes normalized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you don't like it anymore, Mm -hmm. but it means that it doesn't hold the same kind of uh, transgressive, Mm -hmm. empowering quality that it does when you first try something or Mm -hmm. you first conceptualize something.
0: Having said that, there is always incest that's like... That never gets normalized. I'm not sure about that. I mean, historically and anthropologically speaking, there are a few Few instances in human history uh, with certain permissiveness with some kinds of incest but
1: uh, you're saying something different I'm not saying that uh, the third time you have sex with a dead body it's normal (laughs) right and it's acceptable by society Yeah, yeah, yeah this is not what I'm saying yeah all I'm saying is that kink seems to be Talking about something which is entering some kind of dark territory. Mm-hmm. And to me, that seems that it's not really. I cannot see how that can be. Uh, can stay the mm-hmm, same. Mm-hmm. I think anything that we
0: repeat gets normalized. I mean, also, there is a fetishization of kinkiness as a positive value to an extent that makes vanilla sex almost like you know, kind of... Kinky. Yeah. It's the same... Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember, you know,
1: because I, I I used to go to, I've, I've told you before, to these queer gatherings mm-hmm. called Queer Queeruption, and they had like a queer space. Uh, sorry, they had a sex space on particular days mm-hmm. where, you know, consent and la, 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 and, uh, you know, mm. uh, celebrate bodies and so on. And it was very... This kind of over-sexualization of... Uh, the bodies was very difficult for me. Mm. I didn't find it at all kinky. I don't... Like, sexy. I didn't find it at all sexy. I prefer to, like, maybe play with toys or something like this at the same time as this was taking Mm. place.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Or, you know, people go to nudist beaches and I don't find them at all... Oh,
0: my God, that's the least sexy place, Mm. like, ever.
1: Ever. So, yeah, and, and of course, again, you know, if you look at, uh, as I said before, nudity and what it is and so on. So, I'm, I'm wondering to what extent I'm not saying that there is no such thing as dark uh, pleasures yeah like or forbidden pleasures forbi- or taboos taboos yeah um, but I'm really wondering about this concept of kink whether it's not it's it's in a way not really sustainable because it's not because it's a, any, anything very that dependent gets re- yeah, yeah anything that gets repeated gets normalized absolutely um,
0: no I agree I agree I mean, it's it's we we live in a historical time where kinkiness is mainstream in, in many ways. Like uh Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, was like presented itself uh-huh. as a, a kinky kind of thing, and it was like one of the biggest bestsellers of the last decade. So, well, yeah, maybe we live in times when where vanilla sex is kinky. Yeah, maybe we should yeah revisit making children with women is an option, uh, let's move into a
1: song, Kosmonautentraum. <laughs> traum, another German, yes. So, thank you for listening to the ABC of FITA. The oh, no,
0: do we have we one more word? One more word, Phil. Yeah. The mm. ABC of FITA. The ABC of FITA, the best podcast around. What's, What's the word? last word? Well, the well, well, last word is knowledge. Knowledge? Knowledge. Yeah, knowledge. You know Look, why? We have like one minute to, yeah, to okay. talk about knowledge. Knowledge. There is, there is opinion. There is an opinion. There is the opinion. And also, there is knowledge. Knowledge. There is opinion. There are
1: opinions. And there is knowledge. But
0: people have opinions.
1: I, this is a saying that I made up. Υπάρχει ignomi, υπάρχει και ignosi.
0: That's the Greek version. The children are not amused. Yeah. The children are more of the opinion kind of people. There is scale, but there is also scale. Thank you
1: very much, and goodbye. See you in two weeks, and I will leave you with
0: Kraftwerk. Finally.
5: It's more if I'm